Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. U-turn friends, guess who? Okay, so I'm really excited today because, uh, you know, you hear all these platitudes about how life is about how many uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have or how many risks that you're wanting to take or willing to take. But what I firmly believe is that all of these risks and uh, moments come back to managing your nervous system. And so it's not about the uncomfortable conversation. It's about managing the system that's running beneath it. This episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I've come to trust with my well-being. They have absolutely zero THC in their products. They're organically farmed, gluten-free, very minimal in sugar. And if you know me, you know that I absolutely love my sleep. And when I don't get it, I feel like my whole life, my, my day, my week is thrown off. And in times of stress, I've started to take Soul CBD's sleepy gummies before bed, and I absolutely swear by them. These little gummies have put my sleepless nights behind me, and they are delicious and fruity, and they feel like a little sweet treat at the end of the day that really help me sleep well. Their unique blend of CBD, CBN, and terpenes helps you fall asleep much faster, stay asleep longer, and improves your overall quality of sleep. So this is your new bedtime best friend. I specifically love taking them when I'm traveling to get me on a new time zone and ensure that I'm sleeping. So, of course, our friends over at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. All you need to do is head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-TURN at checkout to get your discount. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And that's why I wanted to bring Laura Larios onto the show. She's the founder and CEO of a highly sought after consulting and coaching brand, and it delivers world-class nervous system and brain rewiring support, especially for high performers in the corporate tech networking, um, network marketing, and entrepreneurial industries. Her Instagram is at Laura Lisa Larios, L-A-R-I-O-S. And today we're going to talk about how you can really heal your nervous system if you're in any sort of burnout or maybe you're on your way to burnout. And how can you sustain elite performance by doing this work on your nervous system? We're going to talk about a few different steps in her body of work that can help you uh, and so much more. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ashley. (laughs) Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this and I just love that you position yourself as talking about the nervous system. I think there's too many people talking about stress and burnout, but not this piece of it that really is what it's about. So I'm curious what got you into this work and and why are you so focused on it? 
Yeah, great question. So I actually studied psychology in college. And so I was really always really passionate about helping people uh, specifically with stress and really, you know, getting them to recover from stress. So I started studying psychology, trying to understand the brain and, you know, all the things. And then uh, when I was in that program, though, it was very cognitive behavioral based, meaning it was a lot of mindset work for like more of like a common term there, like, like thinking differently about your situation to turn, and talking about it to turn it around. Um, um, and while that can be, there are elements of that that can be helpful. Um, I was finding it wasn't like getting to the root of the issue. Like people were still are spending years sometimes still kind of on the hamster wheel with um, levels of stress or, you know, symptoms of burnout. So I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, look into something more. I got curious and that's when I found the polyvagal theory by Stephen Porteous um, and the somatic experiencing with Peter Levine. And it all started to really make sense. And I was also at the time working in the high-end hospitality industry, which was very like fast paced. Like you, you know, you can't make mistakes because people are spending, you know, lots and lots of money. And so you have the high investors coming in. So it was a high stress environment. And I was finding that like the things I was learning at the time with nervous system, and I was like applying it to when I'd go to work. And it was really amazing to see like how I was able to then like get through the night in a way that I still felt like present and my brain was like able to think critically. Whereas before when I wasn't applying those things, that was more challenging. Um, and then also using some of these things with my, my coworkers and even the owners and CEOs of the business and started to see really incredible results too, and how they were thinking and uh, planning. So yeah, that's a little bit about it. <laughs> well, tell me about those those theories. You talk about polyvagal. Is that was the word? Mm. You talked a yes. little bit about these different bodies of work and what they're really about or what they mean. Yeah. So great question. So the polyvagal theory was discovered by Stephen Porsche. So it's a theory that he developed in 1994, I believe. He's a neuroscientist, and the theory is really is what talks about. The, the autonomic nervous system and how how we respond. So when we're talking the, about the nervous system, there's different there's different parts of the nervous system, and the one we're speaking about today is the autonomic, which means automatic. Mm -hmm. So those are the parts of your body where you're breathing, your heart rate, digestion. Um, and so in his theory, he was he talks about three hierarchical states of the nervous system. And if you want to almost like think of it in terms of a ladder, he talks about a ladder where the top of the ladder is your ventral vagal system, which is where you feel safe, you feel connection. This is where your prefrontal cortex comes online and you can like think ahead and like plan for the future. You have energy here. Um, and then you go down the ladder, you're in like more of a fight or flight response. And this is where you are more impulsive. You might have more of a racing heart and um, you are, yeah, you maybe not breathing as deeply and you're um, more anxious. And then you go a little bit down the ladder further and you're like in a shutdown response. And so the nervous system goes in this order. We're like, we're predominantly supposed to stay at the top of the ladder. All the other systems we do need like fight or flight and, and shutdown, but only for short amounts of time. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, most of us though, get stuck in either fight or flight, which is a symptom of hyperarousal or shutdown, which is hypoarousal. And that happens after the system, the shutdown happens after the system's been like on go, 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 go. And then eventually it goes, okay, can't do anymore. So it like shuts down. What happens in the body when somebody, I know there's fight, flight, freeze, and then I've heard fawn. Can you walk mm. through like, what do these all look like? Why do they all happen? 
Um, I'm guessing that some people lean more towards one or the other in their day-to-day nervous system responses. Um, yes. So I would love to just look at those. Yeah, that's another great question. Like, what do these responses actually look like? So fight or flight is going to look like a lot of, um, like I said, impulsive energy, feeling like everything feels urgent when you're in this state. So for example, like you can't, you're, you're feeling that wired feeling, like I have to keep going. I can't really sit still. Uh, I need to be responding. And then the the freeze response is actually a, actually a blended state of fight or flight and shutdown. So you have this feeling of like, I need to be doing something, but I, I can't, I can't see, I'm not seen to be moving. Like you're procrastinating. Like, you know, you got emails to respond to, but you're not responding to those emails or you won't, you can't even look at your inbox. <laughs> so a lot of times when you're in freeze, that'll happen. Or you'll procrastinate on a project for like weeks at a time. And then you, you, you do it, but like only when it's like, the day, the day before, like when the heat is on, so to speak, that's like a freeze response happening. Um, and then shutdown is when you really start to get really kind of like, at this point, the system is going, Hey, we don't have a lot more energy. So you feel really, um, tired a lot of the time, almost feel very apathetic. You have like no motivation anymore for your work or even much in going on in your life. And this is generally when people sense like, Oh, I'm burning out is when they're in, they're getting symptoms of hypo arousal or shutdown. Um, and then here you kind of feel hopeless too. When you're in a shutdown response, you don't really feel like much is going to change. And, um, and then as far as fawn goes, yeah, fawn's another response too. That's and, and Stephen Porsche doesn't talk specifically about fawn, um, but it is a survival response in terms of our upbringing. So when there's been trauma where you felt like you were only accepted if you were going along and saying yes and uh, pleasing other people, then your nervous system is going to go more into that fawn response to make sure you stay safe. Like, you know, the nervous system's um, key thing that is trying to do for you is keep you safe. And it only sees something as safe or unsafe. There's really no middle when it comes to the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, what I love is you sharing a little bit about people's upbringing and how that kind of lends itself to which of these responses they might tend to choose more often, or Mm -hmm. maybe they don't feel like they're choosing it. It's choosing them. I don't know. Yes. Um, can you walk us a little more through each of the responses, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and what sort of tendencies people might've experienced at a young age to create these responses, um, Mm. that people being able to self-identify as they listen saying like, oh, this might be why I do this direction or could be really useful. Yeah, that's a really great question, Ashley, because the reason that these responses come up is because of the of how we were wired when we were younger. So our nervous system's wired to our parents. So when we're actually even in when we're in the uterus with our mother when she's carrying us, like our nervous system's wiring to how she's responding, how nervous her nervous system is. So and then we're born and then we grow up in an environment that's shaped by our nervous system gets shaped by our environment. So you're right. A lot of these responses are just automatic. It's how it's been kind of wired in. So when you're in a, for example, a lot of high performers that I work with tend to go more towards the fight or flight hyper arousal. Um, and this can look like things like I mentioned, where I'll go through a couple symptoms of it, but like, like enduring high pressure situations or environments, but then often breaking down in private afterwards. So usually in an upbringing where you have a hyper aroused nervous system, this was someone who felt their worth was completely attached to the successes 
that they have, like, they, like, for example, like this was this, this, you were somebody in school, were getting all the A's, you were like really like hype, very uh, competitive, maybe in sports, you wanted to get that trophy, you wanted your parents to see you as highly successful or, or your, or your caretakers or even your teachers. Um, and there's this link between I, you know, I am only safe or I'm only worthy of things if I'm successful. That's it. So your nervous system starts to equate safety with urgency, going fast, moving all the time. Uh, Generally, these are environments people grew up in where the parents or the environment was either very chaotic, Mm -hmm. like maybe because the parents are working a lot, there wasn't a lot of structure or routine. So you were kind of left on your own a lot and you were very like hyper-independent. There was also an element to not being really emotionally attuned with. And so you only sort of got their attention or your caretaker's attention when you were succeeding at something, Mm -hmm. generally speaking. Um, And that's the fight response, correct? Yes. So this is that hyper-arousal, like I kind of keep moving. It's not safe for me to slow down. I have to just go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And then for those that may be more towards like a shutdown or like a hypo aroused nervous system, we're going to see more of like a lot of, let me use the word neglect actually a little bit here, but like, you know, there's a lot of, um, like the system got so overloaded early on, like maybe because your parents couldn't either on one level meet your basic needs. Um, so sometimes we see that happen uh, and, or it was just a lot of like, a, like a abandonment, like a real, like emotional abandonment where the system went, okay, this is, we need mirroring with our parents and our, our caregivers. And so if they're not like, you know, attuning to us emotionally, like where we're at, like I'm feeling sad, but they're telling you to, Oh, don't be sad. It's not a big deal. Like some nervous systems that are just going to go to a shutdown response with that. That's and so like those, uh-huh. that would be flight. Yeah. Sort of like a, well, yeah, it's, it's more sort of like a flight or like a freeze response with, with mixed with a like dorsal vagal, which is actual shutdown where the system just goes, okay, this is too much. So we're just going to like shut off. And this is where then you start to feel very kind of apathetic and numb. These are situations where then you kind of are just going through the motions through most of your life. And you don't really have any high expectations of anything because there's an element of like, I'm not, I'm going to be disappointed anyway. So I'm just not even going to like put myself out there to some degree. And this is where you have like kind of like low self-esteem difficulty saying no, you know, um, although that can also come in sometimes with the with the high high performers as well. Sometimes they have difficulty saying no. So, yeah. Have you thought about perhaps switching birth controls or maybe even trying it for the first time and yet maybe you don't know where to start? Favor, the company once known as The Pill Club, provides personalized access to care from the comfort of your home and delivery to your door in discreet packaging on time, every time. Stay in control of your reproductive health with the resources available from Favor delivered straight to your door. They have more than 4,000 five-star reviews and Favor carries over 120 FDA approved brands and ships to all 50 states. Most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, prices start as low as $6.99 per pack without insurance. Favor delivers birth control to your door for free in discreet packaging along with fun self-care extras. And right now, when you go to heyfavor.com, that's H-E-Y-F-A-V-O-R.com slash U-Turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N, 
Favor is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every U-Turn podcast listener who becomes a patient. Your donation is going to help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. That's heyfavor.com slash U-Turn to get your first birth control package and donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember, that's heyfavor, H-E-Y-F-A-V-O-R.com slash Y-O-U, T-U-R-N, you must use the link to make your donation. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I actually have a friend who is a very high achiever, um, a beautiful soul inside and out and very numb. She feels down and it scares her. She feels like, oh my gosh, why can't I feel anything? And I feel so much. So we just come Mm. from different worlds. You know, I'm more of a fight response. Like I grew up in a rush and yeah. My dad was always creating things. He was an entrepreneur, you know, and <laughs> one of my journeys is learning how to be fine, how to let my business just be good. And I don't need to go into fight mode and create more. It's yeah. been a- I was just at dinner last night with a dear friend and she happens to be an Olympic medalist. Wow. And so she's always achieving. Yep. And she we just came off of her 24th event that she had to, she was running. She didn't have to, she chose to run. Yes. And, um, she's like, how's work for you? And I'm like, man, girl, I really am not working that much. Like I work probably 10 hours a week mm-hmm. and I started to feel, and I rarely feel this, but like just in juxtaposition with how hard she's working, I was like, am I allowed to be this like, like baseline? And it's yeah. taking work for me in therapy and reading and conversations to say, Ash, you make this revenue mm-hmm. you know, and it's enough. And could I make more? Could I be bigger? Can I save yeah. more? Can I have more? Of course. But I don't know if that's coming from the place I want to come from. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious, like, what are you seeing for people like me who struggle to be fine? Like, mm-hmm. why are we trying to rev up and do so much? And separate <coughs> questions. I have two questions. So yeah. what the me's of the world that can't be fine and we need to go create 20 more things <laughs> quote unquote boring to be fine or stable mm, mm-hmm. and then what are you seeing with the numb people who it's like they, they don't even know how to start feeling anything yeah. um and this friend in particular she had a mushroom journey with magic mushrooms and it was psilocybin that started opening things up for her and i know that that's controversial safe mm-hmm. for some people not good for others so would love to just ask about these two different personalities of the one that's bored and the one that's numb. You know, it's interesting. There's a common link though between them. Um, and I, I love this question because part of why the feeling of the boredom, there's actually an element to actually feeling disconnected from a little bit of numbness as well, but it's masked with the go, go, go energy, right? Like, so as long as I'm in motion, something is happening but there's the reason you're in motion so much is also because there's elements and things to something you don't want to feel. There are some things that are just uncomfortable. So for a lot of my, my high performers that I work with, like, um, it's not that they don't feel, but there, there's an element to, if I'm exactly, if, if I'm slowing down, if I'm not doing anything, I'm not going up higher or making more money then then, then this is boring. They're looking for a hit of adrenaline. They're looking for that cortisol, those high levels of cortisol. So there's a little bit of like stress chemistry too here, Ashley, where you grew up in environments where there was 
like I said, a little bit of chaos or a parent that was like constantly moving and doing and going, like you mentioned your father, it was like, he was an entrepreneur. So his, his stress chemistry most likely was high because entrepreneurship is one of the most dysregulating things you can do. It's highly rewarding, but it also takes a whole lot of nervousness and capacity to do. And so generally speaking amongst entrepreneurs, you're going to see high levels of stress chemistry. So your body gets used to this and it goes, this is its homeostasis. So if suddenly things are quieting down or things are feeling a little bit more stable to your nervous system, it goes, we don't, we don't have pathways for this neural pathway. We don't understand what is happening here. So it actually almost feels, it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. And probably a lot of mindset stories, like you're Mm -hmm. lazy or you're boring or you're not taking care of yourself. Like for me, um, sometimes a story comes in of like, damn, I'm just chilling, working 10, 15 hours a week, serving my clients and managing mm-hmm. my team and loving what I do. Mm-hmm. But I could work 40, just like my friends and maybe they're building something and I'm going to regret just sitting here all these years. Uh, yeah. Versus yeah. Like I'm being, and I'm enjoying my life and I built <laughs> something that works for me. Yes. And I'm not meant, I am not meant like, first of all, I've had Lyme disease for so many years. So just on an energetic level, my yeah. body won't let me work 60 hours a week anymore. Like I get yeah. too much brain fog and I need to sleep. So in order for me to serve my clients, I can't be too busy yeah. um, or my brain's not working. So it's, it's interesting that um, there's a link between the two because I see me and my friend so different. Mm-hmm. Is she does a lot, but she's shut off and I feel it all. And I'm high on it. Like you said, that stress chemistry. Yeah. I know that, you know, one thing that might explain, I have no idea, but, um, I've always been in really healthy, loving partnerships, relationships romantically, but I had a romantic partner in 2018 for eight months after my, I called off a wedding. I was with somebody for five years. Mm -hmm. I was just vulnerable and fragile at the time. And he ended up being a diagnosed narcissist. Wow. And it's almost like maybe those stress hormones in my body that likes the dopamine hits Mm -hmm. when you're with a partner that, you know, loves you and leaves you, loves you and leaves you that high, low, high, low. It's the same thing that I like in my career subconsciously. Would you say that that's hundred percent? Okay. Yeah. So our, our, so our attachment styles in our business to attachment styles, meaning if we're more that anxious, like, you know, um, attachment style, we're constantly looking for that validation and that, you know, like, is everything okay. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So yes, yeah, like, I love how you brought in that connection because that's it. Like it's it, even like, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and executives, of course, and I see this happening where it's like, if things start to become too calm or peaceful or like, stable, they get very uncomfortable. They end subconsciously then, or their nervous system starts to want to create something in order to like, you know, bring in a little bit of that high, so to speak, right. Where they'll start adding more to their plate or they'll, you know, they'll, um, you know, I don't know, there's many different other examples, but like they'll start getting arguments with their partner or like things will come up where they're trying to create some of that stress chemistry. It's like, they just, because literally the brain has not been wired for this ventral vagal state, which is that state of peace and connection and presence. Mm-hmm. It's been more wired for fight or flight or for shutdown. So it doesn't understand this. So this is where you have to show the system. You can't tell it. You can't just say, oh, you're fine. Everything's great. That's where like mindset, you know, we try to mindset our ways by saying certain affirmations or just saying like, you know, reframing how we're cognitively thinking about something, but it, it's pre-verbal what we're feeling. It's, it's not even a, it, it speaks a different language. It's not even verbal. So it's something you actually have to feel and experience in your body to shift it. 
Okay. I love that so much. And I'm glad that I found a connection that makes sense because my (laughs) hope is that people can see that when your nervous system is in fight, like you're explaining, it's not just about you seeking dopamine hits in your career and being on the move. It's about that giving you a high in your relationships. And there's a whole other body of work around trauma bonding and how there's Mm -hmm. like a bonding and a trauma to the highs and lows of a romantic partnership that feel right when really the work is how do I get used to stability and balance and the things that are going to help me actually build a life. Um, Okay. So kind of back to the other personality, my girlfriend that I love, she's such a (laughs) cool human and she feels numb. What, what message do you have or what insight can we share with people who are listening that relate to that, where they feel like, man, I just feel like I'm, I'm not really online. You know, it's like, I'm going through the motions and I'm winning awards or I'm not or whatever. And I just, plenty of it. What would you have to say to them? What's going on and how can they start to loosen that reality? Yeah, that's another great, great one too. So what I often see, and this is interesting, I'd love to like, maybe something you can ask your girlfriend too, is like, was there, a, was, she, was it kind of always that she noticed or was there a point where, it sounds like her system's a little bit of burnout. Cause like, so we'll see one or two things. One where it's like, like there is a lot of like, go, go, go achieve, achieve, achieve. And then you're, you know, you're getting those hits from the achievement. Cause like I did, I did, I did it. But then there comes a point where it's like, that your system starts to shut down, it starts to go more into that hypo arousal. And then it's like, you start getting these, you're going through the motions or you start to get these awards or achievements, but they don't feel the same anymore, right? So I'm curious if like one time she did feel it, but now she isn't feeling it. Or if she just kind of like, like you said, kind of did these things because that's what she saw other people doing and thought, okay, that's just what I need to be doing. But her system was very much in a shutdown response and that's where that numbness, I have a feeling she was kind of, my feeling is she was in hyper arousal and now she's more hypo. She's literally, her system is burnt out. Like it's, she's lived so much in this like high stress response. Can yeah. you just decipher the hyper hypo with the difference? I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. So the hyper is when you're in that like fight or flight, um, um, response in your nervous system where everything feels urgent and you need to be going and moving and doing hypo is when the system is starting to shut down. You start to feel a lot less energy. You're more and more exhausted. You feel more foggy thinking. It's difficult for you to concentrate. Um, and you feel kind of hopeless and numb in that, in that response. So it's more like, of a shutdown. My dog is like hyper puppy, like he's hyper aroused, <laughs> like lots of energy. Yeah. For lots of energy. Let's yeah. go. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. And again, none of these states are bad. We sometimes need fight or flight energy to move and to do and to, you know, go about our day. It's just, it, they were, our bodies that were designed or our nervous systems were designed to go into these states for maybe 20 minutes to deal with the threat response because these are, these are survival responses and then move back into that state of the ventral, which is that state of safety and connection. So I think for your friend, what's happened is that she has lived a long time in this hyper that now she's in hypo. She's shutting down. The system is kind of going, okay, now we're just going through the motions. She's in the 12 stages of burnout. Um, and that's pretty much what's happening. So for her and she, what she needs to do is gradually wake up the system in a way so that it feels safe to, to move out of that state. Okay. And you know, you made a really powerful point that I want to highlight for anyone listening. Um, when I got my master's in spiritual psychology, one of the most important things I learned about trauma and people and the way that they be in the world is taking note of when something shifted. So I love that you point out, Laura, the question of 
Um, is it Laura or Laura? Laura, my best Laura. friend. Yeah. My girls. Laura. <laughs> and it's so unusual. No, but like everybody calls her Laura and I call her. Yeah. Anyway, um, kind of going back to if you suddenly aren't interested in your partner, if you're, mm-hmm. you feel like the past few years you've been shut off, really saying, when did this begin? When did the faucet stop pouring? Yep. Um, so I love that you asked that question because usually that is a point of shift. That's a point of belief systems changing. That's a point of trauma, whether it's a big T trauma, like getting held gunpoint mm-hmm. or a little T trauma, like having a conversation that has been looping in your head subconsciously or mm-hmm. even consciously. So, you know, at least do yourself that work of if you're stuck in something, asking yourself, when was I not? And when did it change? And yeah. then curious with what is the memory or moment or conversation or situation that it did change and what did you make it mean about yourself, about the world, all these mm-hmm. different things. So really great. Yes. Okay. So we talked about fight. We talked a little bit about flight and freeze. Can we just kind of close those out? And then a little bit more about the fawn, like how somebody might've been brought up. You said people pleasing for fawn, mm-hmm. but can you specify the difference between um, the flight and the freeze, just so that I can kind of see how maybe somebody's upbringing looked for each of those, even though there might be some overlap. Yeah, there's definitely going to be overlap, but yeah, great question. So, uh, you know, the freeze response is, like I said, it's a blended state of fight or flight and then shut down. So this is where then you maybe you're presented with something that was like, um, that there's a chaotic situation happening, but you had like no way, no resources in that moment to deal with it. So your system kind of froze up, but like you were feeling this energy of, we need to move, we need to do something, but the, you're not actually able to like move or move out of the situation. So for example, you were in a household where your parents were saying, you got to do this thing and you have to finish it right now. And you're, you didn't have the energy to do it. Um, you felt trapped. It was like a feeling of kind of like, well, my parents are going to make me sit here and work on this thing right now, even though I have like, I'm tired or I don't really feel like I want to do it. And so you're feeling all this sympathetic energy of like wanting to run or get away or fight the situation, but you can't. So then you go into a state of freeze. Um, which is like, again, like sort of a way to, to self-protect the system, self-protecting. Um, so the fawn response, yeah, it's a, it's interesting. So I almost feel like part of some, what I see in a lot of individuals who are, there's some layover with hypo arousal where you're shut down and a little bit of the fawn response where any, in the freeze response too, where you're trying to appease people and the situation. So people pleasers, yes. Inability to say no is a big one with the fawn response. Um, and this is the reason because you don't feel re- your nervous system doesn't feel resourced enough, doesn't have the capacity to hold whatever response that might come up from that individual. So for example, if you say no, and then they're like, they get upset or they don't like that you said no, or even that maybe they're even like fine with it, but there's an element to your system going, it's not safe to say no, and we don't have the capacity in case they do. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to continue to just keep saying yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or make it look like nothing's bothering us. Like if, for example, fawn response to, there's an element of not really stating what it is you want or your desires. You're not really, you're really out of touch with even what you want. Yeah. Uh, like you've always kind of gone with your, whatever other people have told you. Mm-hmm. So as soon as like someone asks, what do you want for dinner? It'll, you might just go, well, what do you want? Like you, you deflect it back to them because you don't want to like get the wrong answer, whatever that means. But there's an element to like your system going, it's not safe to state our opinions. So we're just going to like deflect and put it, you know, 
back on the other person, mm-hmm. basically. It yeah. sounds like a lot of codependency, like just yes. holding someone else's negative response or feelings that are uncomfortable but, for you and an exactly. inability to self-soothe through someone else's negative energy or response towards you. 100%. Um, it's really interesting with Fawn. I, I know some women who I really love and they've worked on themselves and they think they're not fawning anymore. They think they're empowered, but mm-hmm. they've been absorbed by someone else's energy. Mm-hmm. And so um, what are some signs that someone has healed from fawning, from being codependent, from people pleasing? What does it really look like when they're kind of getting that power out of that nervous system, typical response. Do you want to pursue a career in technology or are you ready to explore a completely new career path? This episode is brought to you in part by General Assembly, an education organization that specializes in providing expert-led courses to prepare you for a career in technology. When you learn the skills tech companies are looking for and how to transfer the skills that you already have, you can really fast track your way to a well-paid role and an entirely new career. So by investing in growing your skills, you can increase your income, find a job you love that also loves you back, and you can do this all without a four-year degree. Over the past decade, the General Assembly instructors and career coaches have worked one-on-one with more than 13,000 career changers. Based on what's worked, General Assembly has built an in-depth guide to help you break into tech. So simply download the guide at ga.co slash guide. That's ga.co dash g-u-i-d-e. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, so it looks like personal boundaries are a big one. So when you're in fawn, it's very hard to hold a boundary. You might state a boundary, you might even write it down, like, but like really holding the boundary consistently is a big one. So you know your nervous system has more regulation or more capacity when you're actually able to hold the boundary. So for example, if you told um you told your boss, I'm not gonna respond to emails on Saturday, that's my time with my family. Um, and they say, Okay, sure. And then you know, an email comes through, you know, maybe they don't expect you to look at it on Saturday, but it comes through and next thing you know, you're looking at it, you're responding. So you're not, you're back in sort of that, that nervous system fawn response as opposed to holding your, your boundary. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the nervous system capacity, the rewiring here is finding safety within some of, like you said, the discomfort. So you might feel a little bit of that discomfort when you see the email come through, maybe there might be a story like, oh, why are they sending this to me? I thought I said no, like no emails on Saturday, but like, anyways, and and then it's like, well, I'm going to hold my boundary though. Like, I'm not going to respond to this email because I, you know, I, I've already had this discussion, so I'll I'll respond to it on Monday. And then you just, you know, you don't respond, and you keep like, and you, you're able to, not only do you not respond, but you actually still feel a sense of safety in not not responding. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you still feel present. You still don't you don't feel the sense of urgency. You're not your your thoughts aren't looping over and over around. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. You're not, you're not stuck in that. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting listening to this because uh, I know how many people probably are listening saying like, yeah, I really struggled to keep my own boundary. And I think a lot of, um, at least, you know, the women in my life are telling me about their sex life. I'm not hearing that as much from the men that I know, Mm -hmm. but 
I feel like fawn happens a lot sexually when women are dating where they might have a boundary before they go on the date. Like, I don't want to have sexual connection with this person yet. I don't know them yet or whatever feels comfortable for them. And then they're kind of in the moment and they fawn because it's kind of like overstimulating, overwhelming. Yeah. They know I'm not comfortable with this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's so powerful to take a look at all the ways that yes. this fawning can look. It's not just in your career with the emails. Yeah. It's with the so it's it's you know amazing that you pointed out. Um, okay, so I know you have some work about how to shift your state. And what I love about your work is that there's so many professionals out there that are like, we can shift your state in five weeks. And oh. you're like, shit, I need to shift it this minute. No. <laughs> so, what are some tools that you love um, for people, especially with burnout? Can we talk a little bit about yeah. why do people get burnt out? What happens with all these different types of nervous system responses? Um, and and what's your what do you have to say about them? Like, OK, maybe everybody's listening right now and they're like, I'm in fight most of the time. I'm in yeah. flight, freeze. I'm in fawn. Well, now what? Like, what do they do about it? Not just with the exercises, but what would be a goal for each of them to reach to kind of get out of this autopilot and into them, mm. their actual selves for each of these four? Yes. Okay. So this is a great question. It's going to look a little bit different depending on which state you're in. So for example, if you're more in fight or flight or that hyper aroused state we talked about at the very beginning where everything feels urgent, you're moving, moving, going, 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 you're in your head a lot. Um, you're second guessing yourself, you know, things like that. You actually, oftentimes we're told then to like clear your, you're told to clear your calendar, slow down, meditate. Actually, this can actually create more stress for your nervous system. So what you want to do is gradually begin to bring in moments of slowing, like like someone like you're driving a car and you had your foot on the gas pedal. You don't want to slam on the brakes. You want to gradually release your foot off the pedal. So you're slowing the car down just a little bit. Okay. So when I work with someone who's more in a hyper aroused or fight or flight state, what you want to do is gradually show the system through some doing exercises, for example, um, cause the system likes to be in doing mm-hmm. so to work with the doing energy in a way, but it, like it slows it down. So I'll give you an example of this, what this can look like, um, is sitting at your desk and just looking around your room, your office or area, wherever you are for just a minute, like just scanning the, the environment you're in for one to two minutes and really doing slow eye movement as you're doing this, because the slow eye movement, eye movement is what's sending a signal to your amygdala that you're not in danger. Okay. So this is starting to lower some stress chemistry for you. I'm like doing slight, slow eye movement as you're talking to me. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yes. And so, and so this is, yeah, it's, it's very basic. And, just, and then just noticing, do I feel like a slightly deeper breath? You're only looking for like a one or 2% shift. You're not looking for like super calm. Like you're super chilled out after doing this. You're just looking for like a one or 2%. Like, Hey, I took a little bit of a deeper breath. My thoughts aren't going quite as fast. This work with nervous system is very titrated, meaning you have there is an element to going slow because the system, that's just how the system best responds. So you do it in these smaller incremental moments like this, where it's like a couple of minutes showing the system a little bit of safety each time, and then gradually getting more and more into your body. And I say gradually, meaning because for a lot of us who experience trauma, it's difficult to actually be in our body. Like we want to, we want, we don't really want to feel, we don't really want to experience all this. So we came up with all these different coping mechanisms to actually escape or disassociate from our emotions and from our body. 
So a lot of the practice I lead my clients through is that gradual training to get your system gradually feeling a little bit more of your body. And then the more you would begin to feel that sense of your body and the sense of safety in your body, that is when your system moves more and more into that ventral vagal state, which is that say that predominantly that feeling of safety. That's what you're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting going back to the fact that I was talking about how I dated that narcissist and I kind of have like a fight response mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it's, it's um, as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking about all the ways that I have sought dopamine hits yeah. and how hard it is to let it be okay to not mm-hmm. be pursuing that um, and to slow it down. And mm-hmm. You know, everybody has different work to regulate their nervous system, yeah. right? So for me, it's going to look like clearing my calendar. I'm looking at it right now. I have dinner plans every night this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and and being okay with that, sitting in that discomfort. For other people, it's going to look like pe- putting a little pep in your step, making a little yeah. plans. Like Exactly. So I love that you're showing that. And also just this very simple exercise of just panning the room slowly with your eyes, allowing your body to go still. Um, Is there another exercise that you particularly love? I also know that you're very data-based for Mm -hmm. for people. So I want to ask you a little bit about how people can track their data, but um, are there any other exercises that are very simple that people can do in the work day or just at a dinner to come your system? Absolutely. Yeah. So another good one too, and I love that you mentioned that too, um, Ashley, is that, yeah, like for some people, it's going to be maybe doing a little bit less or having a little bit less on your calendar and for others might be needing to add some things. And this is where we, I do customize this work depending on each nervous system state. So for your more in shutdown, we actually need to bring some more mobilization into your system gradually. So maybe adding in a few things. And if you're more in that like hyper arouse, like fight or flight, we actually need to like kind of bring the system down a little bit from all that stress. So yeah, there's all of that. So another great one to do, this is really simple too. It only takes about a minute or so minute or two to do, you can be sitting at your desk, you keep your head straight and you just look all the way to the right. So you move your, you, you do like a peripheral lateral movement with your eyes and you just look in the right-hand corner for about 30 seconds. You just keep your eyes here. Mm-hmm. And this lateral eye movement is, is, is another way or peripheral vision. It's sending a signal to your amygdala because a lot, for a lot of us, what's, what's happened is we have an overfiring amygdala, an overfiring of danger, 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 danger. So we need to start to bring that down. So when you move your eyes to the right like that and hold for 30 seconds, it's going to send a signal to your amygdala. Again, same thing. You're not in danger. Stress chemistry starts to lower a bit. And also what this is doing is engaging a little bit of your vagus nerve and your vagal break, which is controlling your breathing, which is helping you to, um, you know, basically a strong vagal break is where you begin to uh, be able to be more resilient to stress. So when stress does arise, your system doesn't go right into like a survival response for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So holding your eye vision here for 30 seconds and then just noticing, do you take a deeper breath? Do you notice a little more saliva in your mouth? Mm. Is your thoughts slowing down just a little bit? And then, and then do the same thing on the left side. You move your eyes all the way to the left. You hold for 30 seconds. You notice, is there a slight shift? And again, we're only looking for one, 2%. You can even before doing this exercise, I'll say you can like kind of put your on a scale of one to 10, like what is your stress level right now? So are you at a nine? Like are you really at the top? Like there's just so much going on and then do the exercise and then see, maybe now you're at a six mm-hmm. and you're only looking for like a few points or a point difference from where you were before you're getting a baseline. And then after 
Mm-hmm. So those are some good exercises to start with where, again, you're showing the system safety versus just telling it. You're actually engaging with parts of your brain, engaging your vagus nerve, which is that 10th cranial nerve in the body, um, that, that's just signaling safety to your system. Mm-hmm. Okay. So talking about our system, I love talking about, I love rating things, by the way, it exists mm. like rampant in my family. We rate everything. <laughs> so it's like, how was your burger? I was a seven. Like, this is like, <laughs> so like you're speaking a language I can understand. <laughs> yes. Um, even when I used to have tips with my partner, like romantic partners, they would be like, how important is this to you? And I'd be like, a mm. six. And they'd be like, this is a 10 for me. And I'd be like, all right, you win this one. Right. Um, but tell me a little bit about data. You talk about tracking your HRV, your heart rate variability. Is that correct? And then yes. there's different tools like the Aura Ring, the Whoop Band. What is HRV? How do we track it? Why does it matter? So yeah, your H- HRV is like you said, is your heart rate variability. So it is a way, so um, it is... A higher, higher score of HRV, meaning anything like closer, close to hundred or above means that your, you know, your nervous system is pretty re- resilient or has a greater capacity for stress. Mm-hmm. And so when your HRV is lower, when you have a lower score, meaning like, I don't know, I think probably anything they technically say below hundred, I would say anything below 80, you know, you're, you're looking at more, your nervous system is more in a recovery at the, at this time. It doesn't have a lot of energy or capacity. Our nervous system and our brain is all about conserving energy. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, in order to keep us alive. So it's going, okay, this is the most capacity I have for today. Mm-hmm. So there's very vari- variables in this, like how much sleep did you get the night before as to what your HRV is going to be? You know, what, what did you eat? What was your stress level like? Um, and then the, those all take into account, like what your, um, like I said, your score is going to be. Isn't it like a millisecond? Like what, what is actually, what's yes, the it's a mil- so it's the beats, it's the beats per, yeah, per millisecond in your heart. Okay. And so, but this is what's informing from like, from your breathing to your brain that's informing that, that heart rate. So okay. if you're more of like a, for example, hyper arouse, like fight or flight, technically then the heart is like you know, is, is beating faster, but you're not breathing as much. You're not taking as much, much, there's not much oxygen coming into the body. Therefore the system's more stressed. It's not recovering as quickly. Therefore the, the heart rate technically variability is going to be lower. So if someone has a heart rate variability of 25 milliseconds, what, what would you say that means about them? I think what that means is that their system is stressed, that they, they need to um, begin to work with their vagus nerve or their vagal break, like, like some of the exercises I, or the eye exercise I mentioned, and there's more, mm-hmm. uh, begin to strengthen that, begin to show the system some amount of safety because the system is signaling to you that it's an overload, it's an overdrive, and it needs support. You know, I, what I love about you sharing this is that some people are stressed and it's so normal for them that they don't even know that yeah. they're stressed. And so I love, okay, so I mentioned the whoop bracelet, W-H-O-O-P, the aura ring, O-U-R-A. Is there any tool that I haven't mentioned that you think is really useful for this? Um, or are those two the ones that you love? Um, actually, I love, actually, I just recently partnered with an app called Source, S-O-R-C-E. And what I love about Source is that you don't need an external device to measure your HRV. And it takes 55 seconds to take your score because you just use the, um, your camera, the, the back of your phone here, and you just place your finger here. And, it, and then it measures your heart rate variability. And then it gives you the score, but then also then 
then defines it for you. Like, are you in a maintain day? Are you in a push day? Are you in more of a recovery day? And then based on what it's, if it's, let's say you're in recovery, then it's going to give you some prompts to do based on what's, you know, where, what, where your heart rate variability is for that day. It's called S O R C E. Yes. And is there um, like a discount code for, for you? Or yes, there is. Yeah. I have an affiliate link that I can share with, with your audience. Um, you can sign up for the year you can try, or you can do it monthly. I think it's 19 a month if you want to just try it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just recently rolled this out publicly. They've been working a lot more with companies. Um, they were, you know, working with Accenture and Mars and PetSmart, and now they're rolling it out like to the main public. I think just in the last month. So people can download the app and Look at the right. HRV. Yeah. I'm literally <laughs> downloading it as we are talking right now. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So really HRV is communication about the beats of your heart. And this information travels up to the brain and it actually changes the brain waves too. So when you have a higher HRV score, you're also like, you know, changing the state of your actual brain waves. For which the change, yeah, for the better, which is actually changing how you think about things and your long your ability to um long-term plan. And actually, this is where it gets easier too to be able to shift your mindset because when your nervous system is more in a your higher have a higher HRV and your nervous system is more in that ventral state, it becomes much easier to change your thinking mm-hmm. than it does when you're in a survival response. You're going to be kind of almost like swimming upstream. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is really really helpful. Um, I mean, and and, and okay, final question about heart is yeah. also, you know, beats per minute. A lot of times we look at our heart mm-hmm. rate variability, which my understanding is the amount of milliseconds in between heartbeats. Yes. And then there's also your, your heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, do those really work in tandem or do you feel like each one really is telling you something very different? Um, they, they sort of work in tandem, I would say. Yeah. And, um, but really I think for most of your audience, we want to be looking at HRV so that, that more of that, the, the, the beats per second of, of your heart. And cause that's really informing what, like, as in what state your nervous system's in um, it's informing you as to how your, your body is recovering from stress or not recovering from the stress. Mm-hmm. Again, some also some stress is good. We need stress. So the goal also here with nervous system work isn't to eliminate stress. What we're actually doing is trying to increase your capacity so that when stress arises, you're not quite so overwhelmed or staying, I guess, in these different survival states. Okay. And then obviously my own self-absorbed question is, (laughs) I just looked at my aura ring data and I have 46 heart rate variability. Am I stressed? Like, what does that mean about me? 46. Um, yeah, no, 46 is pretty good. I would say you're more in like a maintain day today. I wouldn't call it a push day, um, per se, but it's still good. Like, um, and I'm figuring like probably a big part of heart HRV or a couple things like sleep. So if you're getting adequate sleep, you know, then you're going to have a better score for sure. Um, and that has to do a lot with your nervous system state as to how well you're sleeping too. So I'll just say that. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, you know, if you had something to eat and if you had like, you know, more of a, a morning or a day so far or week, even where you've been able to like connect with a lot of people. It sounds like you've been connecting a lot, Ashley. So you've been connections, a big part too, of how we regulate our nervous systems. So you've been getting some of that co-regulation with others. Yes. So yeah, that's actually pretty, that's, I would say like a maintain, maintain day. Wasn't there a fun fact around uh, romantic partners are actually contr- um, impacting each other's blood pressure by sleeping together every night and all sorts of different things. Co-regulation. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Yes. And so our nervous systems, we, so we pick up on each other's breathing patterns is all subconscious. And so breathing patterns and the state of our nervous systems mirror each other. So if you're spending time with someone who's in a very fight or flight response, most of the time, your system is going to pick up on that for sure and feel that. And then your nervous system might start to feel a little bit more like in that state as well. Mm-hmm. This is where it's important to, to be with people and then not like being super like picky all the time. Like you're not an eventual state, so I can't hang out with you. But it's like, just like making sure you have some people in your life though, that, that have a little bit of that, that state of being really present with you being able to really listen and attune to where you're at versus needing you to like keep moving or keep doing, or, um, you know, or kind of being kind of shut down or unresponsive to you. Yeah. So having some people, a big part of my work with my clients is just having finally someone in their life that is like attuning to where they are. I'm in a ventral vagal state when I'm in session with these people, I make sure that I'm, you know, that my nervous system's there so they can begin to mirror and wire to that state as well. Great. Okay. Well, I have just loved having you. I feel like this is so informative. Remember, people, life is not just about how many uncomfortable conversations you have, but how you learn to manage your nervous system. Um, Laura, is there anything else that you want to share before we go? Where can everybody find you, learn from you, work with you, all the things? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram, which you mentioned at the beginning. I'm on there a lot, and you can just send me a message. And a couple of ways I work with clients, if you're interested, is I do have some one-on-one work I do with my clients where we like we work on this. You know, we help increase your HRV. We help to support your nervous system so you can sustain elite performance without burning out um, and increase your ability to experience more ease and peace in your life without it feeling uncomfortable. And then I also do workshops as well. So if you work in a company or you have a you're an entrepreneur, even you work with others and you want to bring this work in, I also do trainings and workshops for entrepreneurs along with in corporate as well. So reach out and we could talk about that. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. 
So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.